Hi, this is Joel Blackstock with Taproot Therapy Collective, and this article is called Don't Block the Hearth Fire, Reclaiming the Soul of Therapy by Embracing the Awareness of Death, originally published April 28th on GetTherapyBirmingham.com. In my house, like in most houses in America, there is a fireplace. My wife and I do not use our fireplace often. In fact, I'm not even sure if it works. Now that there are more efficient forms of heating installed in most homes, there is really no need for fireplaces, but they continue to be built all the same. Any interior decorator or homemaker worth their salt will tell you that whether or not a fireplace works, it cannot be blocked, and furniture must not be placed so that people can gather around it. We still design our living rooms so that our furniture is designed to be oriented around a hearth. The style of the houses that we build today are still based on the same basic floor plan of ancient Roman architecture. In Rome, ancient Rome, houses were built around lares, or hearth fires, where penates, or ancestral gods of the family, were revered and guarded the home. Even though most Americans could not tell you why the hearth is afforded such significance in design, it is still agreed upon in Western design language that the hearth is significant. The origin of the hearth idea in Western architecture is one example of the many ways that the religious impulse indirectly recognizes a connection to our ancestors. As humans, we long for transpersonal and transgenerational connectedness. Jungian-oriented therapists help clients cultivate the transcendental and reflective skills that a well-developed spiritual dimension can bring into our lives. The following is a Japanese death poem, written by Gasu Soko, who died January 10th, 1696, at the age of 79. Inhale, exhale. Forward, back. Living, dying. Arrows let flown each to each. Meet midway and slice the void in aimless flight. Thus, I return to the source. Stephen Jenkins is a palliative care counselor and a writer that I admire. In his writing, he makes the argument that Western culture has an unhealthy avoidance of the reality of death. Jenkins writes that the fear of death in our society has robbed us of a spiritual dimension and tools for everyday life that ancient civilizations have always had. Acceptance of one's own mortality and acknowledging one's ancestors are directly related concepts. Jenkins' argument is that the acceptance of death is what gives a culture the ability to make meaning and to understand its own story. If we deny or disregard death as an important part of our human experience, then we can never make meaning in our own lives. We must embrace this important part of our humanity if we are going to be able to make ourselves whole. As a society, we hide our children from the dying, and often even from the elderly, not allowing young people to understand this important stage in the life journey. 
we do not value the wisdom of the aged. We simply treat their cultural experience as out of date. It is our general cultural practice to pretend that we are immortal. We hide from death and all the trappings of death until it is too late. We wait until we are at the end of our life journey, and we have not developed any tools to understand how to die. This practice is to our own deficit and the deficit of our culture. Jenkins argues in his interviews that our culture needs to embrace death and the process of dying in order to reclaim the spirituality our culture has lost. The following is a quote from Season 2, Episode 9 of Mad Men. Spoken by Don Draper. It's your life. You don't know how long it's going to be, but you know that it's got a bad ending. Spirituality in most religions contains a meditative or a contemplative component used to orient one's priorities, clarify goals and values, and discover one's own personal identity and agency within the world. Although spirituality is a vague concept that can mean many things to many people, most therapists agree on the importance of spirituality in the therapeutic process. One of the major benefits of spirituality in therapy is that spirituality assists clients in understanding their place in the world and helps clients accept their own finitude and mortality. This is true whether a person's spiritual tradition advocates belief in an afterlife, a multi-layered reality, or simply a scientific materialist understanding of the world. Regardless of an individual's spiritual tradition, an active spiritual life will help a therapist engage an individual in important, reflective, personal questions. Personal spirituality is different from organized religion. Developing one's own personal spirituality is distinct from the organized religion that you participate in. It's important because it allows an individual to answer questions and face struggles that are unique to their own life and their own self. There is much diversity between individuals' life course, trajectories. What works for one person may not work for another person. Developing one's own personal spiritual dimension inside or outside of an organized religion increases an individual's self-efficacy and an individual human capacity for choice-making. A robust spiritual dimension allows individuals to solve problems that arise in the course of life in the best way for them, according to their own strengths and their own weaknesses. This self-efficacy is an important protective factor for individuals as they develop throughout the course of life. This protective factor can help individuals avoid many problems as they traverse the various stages of the life journey. In the book The Denial of Death, Ernest Becker puts forth a hypothesis that won him the Pulitzer Prize and changed the way that many cognitive theorists thought about therapy. Becker argued that human cognition is a defense mechanism against the knowledge that one day we must die. Many drives within humanity are attempts to make ourselves immortal and find ways of obtaining a spiritual immortality. Becker put forward the idea that anxiety, depression, and even psychosis can be attributed to the breakdown in our immortality-seeking processes. Becker argued that human beings long for a secular and religious accomplishment because we believe that these will make us immortal on an unconscious level. 
Becker argued that cognitive problems arise when our culture lacks the spiritual and numinous dimensions that allow us to understand death and accept our own finitude. The part of Becker's theory that is the most applicable to therapy in my practice is his, is his idea of immortality. Becker's idea of immortality is much more involved than simply an idea of an afterlife in popular culture and religion. In the denial of death, immortality is the way that a person finds their significance, self-worth, and meaning in relation to the universe. We attain spiritual immortality when we have a well-developed spiritual dimension that allows us to feel connected to the past, others in the present, and to future generations. It is this connectedness that allows us to feel spiritually immortal and to come to terms with our own mortality. In the ancient world, heroic deeds and religious traditions were an attempt to feel a connectedness to a numinous, larger sense of self than the time that the ancients lived within. Becker argues that nothing but a spirituality of some kind can give humans the connectedness to the fabric of our world and provide us the spiritual immortality that we long for. One of the reasons that Becker's theories were so successful is that they build on the basic assumption that all human beings know at a fundamental level that one day they will die. Because of this, we are all, in a sense, already dead. This knowledge is an intrinsic part of our humanity that we must learn to handle or it will lead us to destroy ourselves. The reason that this is important to include in a discussion of spirituality and psychotherapy practice is that this is a theory of therapy that makes spirituality an essential component in the therapeutic process. The problem of death in our own and in our clients' lives must be solved in order to live a fulfilling life. This cannot be done without the transcendent quality of spiritual practice. In my own life, I find Becker's spiritual immortality in what will be preserved of me in how I change the world for the better after I die. Personally, I have little need for the concept of the afterlife in my own religious tradition, but I do not need that to feel motivated or to feel important. Sharing love that changes the lives of those around me and the lives of those they touch is where I find being immortal. What will be preserved of me is the impression that I leave on this world through how I live my life and affect the lives of others. The presence of me will be preserved by people who likely do not recognize or understand what they are preserving. We are all released back into the earth and into the stuff of the heart and the mind and the character of others and the lives of everyone who antecedes us. A piece of the things that are part of me will become part of everyone who I become a part of. The things that made me who I am did not come from me, but also from those before me and how they shaped the world. The juice of ourselves was never ours, but something we borrowed from countless others. This is not something that would make sense to everyone, but it is what makes sense to me. Life is chaotic and overwhelming to the best of us. To understand it, we need a lens to view ourselves in a way that makes sense to us. We, when we develop our spiritual dimension, can use this as a lens that lets us understand our world. Our personal spirituality tells us why we are unique and special. It gives us the immortality that Becker describes in a way that we decide is important to us, not that someone else decides for us. 
our robust spiritual dimension, whatever that may be, can help us live life intentionally, mindfully, and effectively. For continued reading, you can check out Ernest Becker's book, The Denial of Death, published in 1973.